0: Hi, and welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and I have back with me again today, Beth Zisberg. Hi. Hey. So, for everybody listening, you remember a couple of episodes ago, Beth and I are improv uh, actors on the same improv team, house team, for Hudson Valley Improv, and I am so impressed by her podcasting skills, I brought her back. (laughs)
1: why thank you that means so much
0: (laughs) well you are you're a podcaster's dream you talk like you and you you just keep you have such thoughtful things to say because some people do just talk because they like feel that pressure to keep talking and then I'm like you're not saying anything you're just (laughs) saying words but you have actual capabilities of forming a thought very quickly and then being very concise and nuanced about that thought. It is your improv nature. So Ooh,
1: good. And here I think I just babble all the time. So just keep telling me all this good stuff. Or maybe, maybe you do
0: babble. Maybe I babble, you babble. And we're like, we're babblers. We get it. So
1: It just makes sense, everyone. Right? Like when babies
0: are talking, it's like, it doesn't make sense to anybody but themselves. Um, so something interesting about our friendship is that it was like we we hit the ground running. I was invited to be a part of the house team that you were already on this past year in 2020 and that's really where it started. We weren't we didn't have a lot of time to like go to Disneyland and go to dinners and go to bars to get to know each other and then start doing improv. We started just doing improv. And you and I are two of the ones on our team who use this the most that we're improv purists. And I think that's just, we really love improv and our whole team does, but when you're doing improv, you're doing improv. If that makes any Mm -hmm. sense, like you, you're just there to do improv. And so that's how our relationship started. and, And our friendship was born out of that because again, we've never met in person. We've only ever met over zoom or this, you know, podcasting platform. Um that's it. So I am excited today to talk about something other than improv because you and I have had like little passing conversations and as things time goes on, we've sort of started texting about this and that and the other thing. And we were <laughs> in a we sort of have this ongoing conversation between you and me and it became clear that we are on sort of the same page with the topic we're going to talk about today. And that is sort of discovering your identity as an adult
1: yeah yeah it's one of those things where you know I, I guess this is where i'm gonna lose a little bit of my words but it confuses me for how i feel more lost now than i did when i was younger and i know that i'm not alone in that that that's why they have midlife crisis or now what our generation has you know uh, i think we've now what's the is what's it the quarter term?
0: life crisis or
1: yeah Well, I think we now call it mid – well, I call it mid-decade crisis, like your mid-20s crisis, your mid-30s crisis, because it really does happen. And I think a part of that is this search for your identity because as you grow up, new things happen, but there's no – set structure like you have when you're a kid at least that's kind of how I look at it you know you Mm -hmm. go to school you have summer break you graduate that school you go to the next school repeat you know it happens again and then if you finish high school and then go into the workplace now you have your new life or if you go to college and then once you finish that you go into the workplace and I think once you start that working it's reset everything in a way that you didn't have that structure before. And I think unfortunately, because you're thrown in with people of all different ages and backgrounds, which you might've had different backgrounds when you were younger. Now you're having different ages and not just mm-hmm. like, Oh, four years older. Like they're the senior and I'm a, you know, freshman. It's not right. like they're fifties and I'm in my twenties and you kind of forget the structure or like, not that you forget it, but there isn't really one that you're able to learn quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think as you continue to grow up, at least for me, I feel like I, I'm almost using previous rules today, forgetting that today is not yesterday, you know? And I'm just like, okay, resetting almost like all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it seems like it, this conversation has been building in my life. And that's why I was like, yes, because I was like, I would like to have you back on the show. And I was like, well, anything on your mind? And you told me this. And I was like, yeah, like I, you were, I, I felt like you were ready to bake a, a bigger pitch. And I was like, nope, we're done. you we're doing, that's what we're doing. <laughs> because in our, ha- like, that was the conversation me and Ethan were having in our house, too, about it was sort of in that realm of like identity and like who you are. And, and it's hard because I, ha- remind me again, how old are you, if you don't mind? I'm
1: 34.
0: Four. Okay. Yes, so you,
1: I'm going to say that definitively. I'll be 35 <laughs> this year. I need to, like, that's also a problem. I just, like, don't know my age anymore.
0: <laughs> well, and I'm 33. I'll be 34 in April. And this is exactly what we were talking about t- today, me and Ethan. He's 29. He'll be 30 this year. So he's a little bit younger than you and me. But you and I, we, you know, you graduated high school in 2004. I graduated in 2005, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: People don't realize that this is real. Millennials, and okay, just just like a sensitivity warning, the, the eye rolls, you might hurt yourself when you hear me say this, listeners. You're going to roll your eyes so hard. Just brace yourself. I have a point, and it is valid. Millennials have had it hard. <laughs> and what I mean by that is. Yes, we so have. <laughs> you. And I, we nestled right in that space where where we graduated college, statistics have come out that the graduates of college in that time, in that little chunk of time, had was graduating at the worst time. There were no jobs. We were still sort of fresh off this recession that Obama inherited. And it was just, it was a weird freaking time to graduate college. And we were probably the youngest of the people old enough to be aware fully as like a person of like what was going on in 9-11. And then now we're in the midst of this pandemic. And it's like, it does feel like, and we've got student loans that we didn't get jobs enough to pay off. And now the generation behind us, Gen Z's are coming up and they've got a vengeance. And I'm like, I need you all to calm down a little um so I was telling Ethan this morning our generation yours and mine the millennial generation and I mean that in the most textbook sense the you look mm-hmm. up what the ages are and that's what I'm talking about the actual textbook ages of millennials they've they we're the scapegoats for everybody everybody older than us is like millennials are so out of touch and then now they now we're old we're old to these gen zers <laughs> and they're like you out of touch and I'm like we never got the opportunity to be in touch. So Thank you. <laughs> that's and what I'm I, okay, saying. Is,
1: and okay, so to also piggyback off of that, because I feel the same, and yes, I totally understand for people listening, the eye rolls, and this—they're just going to probably say, "Oh, because you're millennials," but. Right. Just hear me out because along with the fact that when we graduated, it was like, oh, there's no jobs for you guys and you're $50,000 in debt or like, you know, like anywhere from ten to 15000 depending on where you went to mm-hmm. school. And hey, guess what? You get to be a barista because apparently that's a job you can get with your college degree these days. It right. doesn't matter anything else, which look fine. That is what it is. But I'm going to bring it back just a little bit. I think our generation has, you know, like everyone loves to say, oh, millennials love to rebrand everything. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you why. When I was growing up, and maybe you remember back in the 90s, we were called Gen Y. Right?
0: Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember. Oh. But I was from, I grew up in Alabama, so that might have been a whole thing. That you Yeah. Know. <laughs>
1: You just didn't know. But it's like you have the like the generation before us is Gen X. Mm -hmm. We were Gen Y. And then millennials were supposed to be the kids born in the new millennium. But then all of a sudden Gen Y got rebranded millennials. And now the next generation is called Gen Z what the F is up with that? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I know that's like ridiculous, but it's like our own identity was changed at some point because it sounded better because Mm -hmm. we came of age in the year 2000. I'm like, I don't understand that. Like I'm an 80s baby, a 90s kid. How am I being called a millennial when the kids born in the new millennium are called Gen Z? Like, and I know maybe that's a little bit bitter and I understand like it, definitely sounds like that. There's some bitterness to it, but Mm -hmm. I think that's something to go like. We are a generation that was naturally rebranded by everyone around us. We were all told we have to go get college degrees. We get it we then don't get jobs. It's somehow our fault because we couldn't find a job. We can't pay off our loans. And it's our fault that we'll never be able to buy a house because my favorite thing, we eat too much avocado toast, but who's mm-hmm. giving us the avocado? Like, come on. Well, and it's like, and you're, this scapegoat thing is totally true.
0: About right. That. <laughs> well, and my, my friend, Sarah, friend of the show, um, told me the other day this, and I never reali- realized this. She said, do you realize that um, credit scores were invented in the 80s And I was like what are you talking about And she goes oh, really? look it up FICO The FICO score that we all worship And the banks are like no your FICO is too low To get a house loan It started in 1989 So these <laughs> boomers who came before us Our parents who were like "Just If you would just work a little harder And get a job and yada yada And you could buy a house No bitch you got to buy a house Because you got to buy a house There was no credit score Dictating Nothing. that you could not buy a house because, like, I'm paying nineteen hundred dollars in rent in Los Angeles, I could afford a mortgage, but because I don't have a one hundred thousand dollar down payment and because mm-hmm. I don't have the credit score worthy of getting a house loan, I can't get a house. So there's and there's also, obstacles for our generation and for Gen Z coming up too. Let we'll say that oh. that nobody before us had to deal with.
1: Yeah. And like, look, I'm not trying to shit on Gen Z or anything. I think there's so many things that those kids are doing that I would have never had the balls to do when I was their age. And I think it's really wonderful. But I do also find some offense where they're like, oh, you're old. And I'm like, excuse me. But, you know, I'm sure we called the cast of Friends old when we were watching it. Well, and
0: I have a theory on that too that Mm -hmm. we, you know, Gen X, perfectly what, when they were our age, they were, we probably called them old. And I don't think it would sting as bad being treated as if we're old now by Gen Zers if we had ever had the opportunity to just really spread our wings and fly and we were flying but it's like it feels almost and again eye roll for everybody listening this is just feelings that I'm feeling based on this conversation it feels as though before we ever even got to fully spread our wings, we were dictated and delegated to the pile of heap that is too old to function and live mm-hmm. now because the youth. Because, I mean, this country worships youth.
1: Yeah. And Yeah, it's like somehow we all of a sudden just became too old to do anything. And it's like, why did we get stepped over? And fine, if that's how it goes why then still are you like shitting upon us and again we're getting it from both ends it's like mm-hmm. so weird and i'm sure every generation will say this at some point as well it's how it goes but mm-hmm. you know i think like you know back to the whole thing about you know like buying a house or rent i remember because i grew up in brooklyn i remember being a kid thinking like oh i can get a really nice like one or two bedroom apartment for a thousand dollars you can't even get a freaking studio. You can't mm-hmm. even get your portion of rent to be $1,000 right. most in New York City anymore. And even though I'm sure it's come down a little bit because of you know COVID-19 and just people moving out of the city. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like we graduated college. We had to get a job. And we're taught your monthly expenses should not exceed half of what your monthly income is. Oh, yeah. But, but rent for us is easily three quarters. And let's also not forget, rent no longer includes utilities or water or things like that, mm-hmm. like they used to. So you would able to get, you know, you might have to spend 200 more back in the day, but you had heat and hot water fully paid for. You probably had some of your, you know, utilities paid for. But for us, most of your rent, especially in major cities, does not include anything, mm-hmm. so you're paying like, and in New York City, you'll pay your 1,900, and that's just your rent, let alone the expenses on the apartment. Right. And like, let's keep in mind, my parents bought their house in that I grew up in in the early, the early 80s, a couple years before I was born. It was in the mid 60s, I think. Do you know how much the house was worth today? <laughs> like, easily close to a million. Mm-hmm. And so. It's like inflated so much. So when you think about it, like when we were growing up, things were affordable. But by the mm-hmm. time that we then got to be the age to buy things ourselves, they inflated like two or three times what the cost was when we were kids. And again, like Gen Z now gets to grow up and they're prepared for that. Mm-hmm. We saw literally like a huge influx yeah. of money we were, that like, like we never had the time to catch up for.
0: We were the generation that was blindsided by it. And Gen Z is not blindsided by it. It's their new reality and I, that doesn't make it any easier for them i don't think but it does but it's just not being blindsided like it feels like every blindside that has come has happened to us like the blindside of covid that is happening to everybody uh-huh. but it is also happening to us on the heels of the blindside of the housing market boom and bust and and just we got that's uh-huh. what my point was we've been folded up in this and it, i do feel like it might be a little bit of arrested development and the fact that we are spending way more time than any other generation out of necessity, gathering our bearings and figuring it out and doing, you Mm -hmm. know, what we have to do to find out who we are and who our authentic self is. And that brings us to the, the point today of finding your identity, because I think you and I are sort of of the same vein and of the same mindset of like, we don't spend a whole lot of time complaining. Like, so we've spent 15 minutes complaining about the, the situation. And now <laughs> we, we. but in our life, that's it. 15 minutes of an hour is spent complaining, maybe tops. And then you and I are both the kind of people who are like, okay, so this is the situation. What do I do moving forward? How do I find my way through it? And that's
1: mm-hmm. why
0: this conversation was so interesting to me today of finding your identity. Because that's, because th- I get the sense of, from you that you're like me, like, I don't want to complain about not ha- having found my identity fully as a 34 year old, 33 year old. I want to find it. I want to do the work and like start today. So is that pretty accurate to say for you too?
1: You know, it's funny. Cause I was thinking about this too, is like, there's the part of me that logically gets everything that you're saying. And I agree with it logically, but mm-hmm. somehow emotionally, I'm not doing it because this isn't a topic that's necessarily just come at, at me like out of nowhere. It's come up a lot, you know, and I guess like when I joked about my mid-20s crisis, I guess because I did have what I felt like a mid-20s crisis. And <laughs> and so it's like logically, like, well, hey, let's try and figure things out, you know. And, and one of the things I'd mentioned to you is I haven't decorated my room or the apartments I've lived mm-hmm. in since college. Like the last time I decorated the room I lived in was my last – well, like dorm or, you know, bedroom and then a house that I rented when I was in college. Yeah. And since then, and I find it really weird because logically I totally get like, yeah, I should put my personality up and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But yet emotionally, there's something that just feels missing And it's so weird because I do, and it's like, and I agree with you trying to put that work in, but I start the work and then I'm like, but this feels weird. And then I stop again. And Mm -hmm. then I start again, trying something else. And you know, something that I never heard of before was like this thing called imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that kind of ties into, especially for our generation, because it's something that I think our generation has been afflicted with most and it sounds like weird because something called imposter might as well be like weird, but it's this idea that I'll start doing something and I'll just feel like it's not real. I feel Mm -hmm. like this isn't me. I'm putting on a mask and I'm just like, what's going on? I had no problem like putting up that picture of like angel and Dawson's Creek or whatever when I was in high school. But now I'm just like, I don't know what to put up, but I keep trying, but then I keep feeling like I'm lost again. (laughs)
0: Well, and that's, well, that's true for me too. I, the decorating this and that, I, I haven't done it. We lived in one of our apartment. We lived in for five years in New York city. There was not a thing on the wall. There was one thing on the wall. And that was because I have this, um, this old vintage Disney poster that's in a frame that my friend gave me in the frame. And it's like, and for, I don't know, it's some kind of like, I think it might have even been from like the Disney store or something. It's, it looks like an advertisement sort of. And it says the art of Walt, the, the art of Walt Disney. And it's Donald Duck. But anyway, the only reason that got hung up is because when we moved in, there was a nail there. And I was like, well, this has a hook that has a nail. (laughs) So we, t- you know, and I, and I hung exactly it up. That's
1: exactly what I would do.
0: And I was like, well, that's easy. And that, and you know, and I was trying to start, but we never hung anything in that apartment. The last apartment we lived in here in uh, Los Angeles, we didn't hang. We're in this apartment. We've hung two things. There is a mirror by the front door. And then there is this little, this, yeah. this canvas here behind me. You can see, like we hung that up and we're like, we got to do this. But, um, and also everybody who's on the zoom on zooms with us for anything I do that I, I sit at my desk and behind directly over my shoulder is my bookshelf. And everybody knows in my life that I have a ton of books. And I have a friend who came over who's sort of in my bubble and he, he he's French and I love him, but he like, he's just so bold to say what he feels and it didn't insult me, but no one's ever said it, but him, he's like, your books are chaos. He's like, it drives me nuts. Cause there are no, there's no rhyme and rhythm to your books. And he's like, mm-hmm. and I, he said, why do you keep so many books? And I said, because I want to use my books as decoration for my house and sort of to tell the story of what I, what I, cause I'll, I'll like, if a book really meant something to me, I'll keep it. And if it doesn't, I won't keep it. I, that's my mm-hmm. plan. And I said, I really want to tell the mm-hmm. story of like how I developed and became and felt the way I felt and think the way I think and believe how I believe through my books and he goes, what's this storytelling? Because you've got history next to fiction, next to sci-fi. And I'm like, that's true. There's no story here. It's just piled on the shelf. And so I'm in that same place with you. And you just said imposter syndrome. I've had that for pretty much my whole adult life. And I think, for I thought for me, it was because I took a year off from school and moved to Los Angeles and then moved back and finished school. And I just felt, and I was a little bit like, and in college, everything is on a micro level. I was like a year and a half older than everybody else. And everybody treated me like I was ancient. And I was like, what is happening? Like, and I was, and so I always felt like I didn't belong. And that's something I went through with my therapist. I was like, I've never felt like I belonged. Like even growing up in high school, um, I was, I always joke that I was either the most popular of the unpopular kids or the least popular of the popular kids. And I said, I was just always sort of, I was friends with everybody, but then they kept having parties. They didn't invite me to, and I'm like, what's happening here?
1: Oh, my God. That is <laughs> so freaking creepy. I had the exact same experience as you. Like, I'm sorry not to cut you off, but no, like no, that was me in both yeah, junior I high it. and high school. Like, my... Yeah, and it's like the crazy thing, like with junior. It's like I feel like my junior high was much more high school, and my high school is much more college, just because of the the places that I went. But Mm -hmm. it's like my junior high was very, very clicky. You had the popular kids, you had the sporty kids. Since I grew up in the city, you had the Asians, you had the basketball players, who were mostly like the you know African American students. Even though we all knew each other, it might have been a class of six hundred. Pretty much by eighth grade, you knew the majority of everyone that you knew. Yeah, and I was definitely. on the outer side of everything. You know, I've always been short. I've always been on the heavier side. (laughs) I didn't really pay attention to hair or makeup or coordinate my clothes. Mm -hmm. But somehow come eighth grade, I ended up becoming friends... You know, and I would see this, there was a level of, like, even in the popular clique, there was, like, the queens and, like, you know, the the next level or whatever and then, the third level. Mm-hmm. And I had become friends with some of the people in the third level because the way that my eighth grade was set up, that it was trying to help transition you into high school where – Where your sixth and seventh grade, you traveled with your homeroom to every single one of your classes, except for it was a magnet studies school. So we had like our one talent class. Yeah. So you didn't have that, but everything else you had together. And then in eighth grade, they tried to have you had different homerooms. You traveled together for most of your academics, except for your language and then your, uh, and then again, your magnet where you'd be with other kids. And then they had it like set up with like this A, B and C class. And it was like in New York, you still take regions. So it's regions level, somewhat region level, and then not qualifying for agents level. <laughs> so it was really messed up. But, you know, they tried to do it to allow everyone to get the proper attention that they needed. But with that, you know, because of the way the A classes worked, we all had gym together. And so I met kids that I never knew or I didn't really have an opportunity to know in yeah. sixth and seventh Saw grade. Saw their
0: face around the school uh, and that's about it. Yeah. And they yeah.
1: yeah, became friends with them. And then, like somehow, now I'm like somewhat in the popular group, but I'm still friends with all like the unpopular kids. And like I didn't know because like I, I moved on from my other girlfriends, not because I wasn't friends with them anymore, but my interests started to change. I wanted mm-hmm. to be more girly. They wanted to still play basketball. It was like, I don't want to break my nose. I almost broke in seventh grade. I was like, no, thank oh. you. <laughs> you know, And so like so here I was that exact same thing, like feeling in between the worlds. And then in high school, I went to the farming arts high school, which is why I say it was a little bit more like college because we didn't necessarily have popular and, uh, you know, nerds or anything like that. We mm-hmm. were all theater or artsy geeks. Like
0: yeah. we all
1: had to audition or like to get into this school. So in normal <laughs> high schools, we would have been the like, the losers. But anyways, here, you know, and then you'd have, of course, the, some people that were like, oh, they would act like they were above everyone. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. everyone, like whatever. But I was friends with, everyone but yet I felt like I didn't have friends especially by senior year like my groups that I was friends with I noticed I was like on my own come senior year Mm -hmm. and it was like really weird and then like same thing like when I got into college it's like I'm that person that's like I'm friends with everyone but I feel like I never felt like I belonged, even with like my closest friends, I still had that same imposter syndrome that I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. And I would sit there with my friends and I'm like, I still don't feel like I belong here. And I'm like, what's going on? Even though everyone knew me, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was very active, especially in college. I lived college up to the fullest. I was in every like club or organization I could be in. I was in the music fraternity for women. I have to say that because that's technically what it is, even though it wouldn't be a sorority, but it's technically a fraternity <laughs> for women. You know, I was in Student Government Association. I actually even mm-hmm. ran for a student government office, you know, position position. And I did, like – I took class after class, so I, like, I knew a bunch of people, yet I still felt like I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, the weirdest thing. And I think that, like, seeped into now being as an adult where I'm just like, okay. And I try to, like, push it aside as, like, the adult in me. It's like, okay, that's insecurities. But I I think I've lived with it for so long that I'm like, but is it true? (laughs) You know, and I talk to my therapist about this all the time, too. And and I'm like, I still think it's true.
0: (laughs) Well, and I – because i you were you grew up in new york city so you were within geographical proximity to theater and television and performance and i grew up in a town called Bug Tussle, alabama and so i um i think i developed this habit of knowing that there was nothing for me here and that someday somewhere i'm going to go somewhere sort of like Hercules, I'm, I'll, I will find my way. You know, I knew that I would find my people one day. And so I, I got into the habit of just kind of kicking it down the road and thinking, well, it'll make sense one day. It'll make sense one day. And I wonder if you had this experience mm-hmm. that you get to your 30s and you're like, oh, Well, it doesn't make sense yet, so I guess I'm gonna have to try something new. I'm gonna have to actually figure this out because it's not just gonna come to me.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's the best way to put it because I think I was very similar. Like I was with all of my insecurities and all of my issues, I still very much lived in the moment. You know, like Mm -hmm. I never tried to plan what my future was gonna look like. Oh, like it will be there when I get there. You know, and it and not not that I wasn't trying to plan, but it was one of those things where it's like, well, I don't want to think about that yet. I'm still a kid. You Mm -hmm. know. I'm like, I'm just in high school. Why do I need to worry about the age I get married? You know, like all the other things or like buying a house. And and I think, you know, what happened was it's now I woke up and I'm in my 30s and it's like, what you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And granted, I, I, you know, if, if people were able to see me right now, most people don't think that I'm in my 30s when they look at me. Which, right? Thank you. I cannot wait to be the best-looking 20, 30, you know, 20-year-old <laughs> in my 70s. Right. Because I'm pretty sure, like, I'll finally look like I'm in my 20s when I'm 72. You know, and that's <laughs> fine. But you know, I think that like further adds to my own confusion because it's like I look in the mirror and I was like, I don't have 30-something years of memories. That's impossible.
0: Mm-hmm. But yet
1: I like very clearly remember everything from the 90s or just now 30 years ago like how crazy is that
0: so what are you doing now like what because it sounds like you you're ready to sort of figure it out and you're like with your identity you you're sort of and well actually let me let me back up before I go there what do you consider like what do you think about when you think about finding your identity finding who you are and like does that mean for you like the way you present yourself to the world, and with the language you use, and sort of the the hobbies you take on, and the friends you associate with, or what what does your brain go to when you're thinking about that stuff?
1: I think it's coming to a point where. I don't question things anymore or as Mm -hmm. often, because I think I've never, you know, it's like, even with all, again, my insecurities, I've never stopped myself from wearing like the clothing I wanted to wear to go Mm -hmm. out of the house. I used to get my nails done. Like when gel manicure came out, like (laughs) I would do nail art all the time. Like everyone knew me. Like I would spend the four weeks in between or however long, three weeks in between my, my appointments, looking up what my next nail design was going to be. So like, i am definitely expressive in that way you know, and, and no problem, like, blasting my music, and, you know, I tr- I changed my hair color, which, granted, it's only, it's a nice shade of copper, but that's still daring, <laughs> Yeah, know? exactly. You know, and so it's weird. So it's not necessarily, like, my outward presentation to people. It's something that, on the inside, I feel like, yeah, this is what I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when I look, like, I've noticed with, te- like, all the television shows that I've been watching, minus the Hallmark movie channel that I've been watching on repeat for the last, like, you know, months in September. But putting that bit aside, I love these like, like, especially cooking competition shows. And I was really trying to think like, why do I constantly watch them? And it's because when I see these competitors, they're so passionate and believe so much in their love for this field Mm -hmm. that they're willing to try to see if they're the best. And I want that. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's the identity that I'm losing. Like, I again, it's like I'm this jack-of-all-trades master of none, which yeah. is a—it's not a bad thing by any means, but it feels like I don't have an identity. Like, I don't know what I can do to, like, describe, oh. like, who am I, you know, and that's that identity. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it comes back to the fact that even though I might go out and you know, present myself well and definitely have personality and will be loud and obnoxious without any worry about people like looking at me. There's something about looking around my room or looking around the apartments I've lived in that I don't look like I live there. And that's like that. It's like, and again, that's all inside. It's an internal thing that people aren't going to see that. And I don't get why I don't do that. Like I I admire, like I love HGTV. I wish I could be a decorator like that. Mm -hmm. But I'll help other people. but when I get to go to sit down, it's like, okay, well, let's try something. And I'm like, no,
0: you know what's funny? I am experiencing i that like everything you're saying just like touches my soul because I'm like, oh, she's speaking to me. she that's 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 it. That's that's where I was. But something happened to me that changed it all a little bit. My dad died in September. and then and like that just set off this motion of. Of just events, like it was just a domino effect of events in my life that, um, I I don't really we haven't talked about it a lot on the podcast, and I don't really want to talk about it because it was pretty deep. I actually would love to talk to you about it in private because I love our friendship that's mm-hmm. born forming here. But me and Ethan had some trouble when my dad died. Basically, what I needed from my partner, um, he didn't know to give it to me at that time because he's a little younger than me and I'm the first of sort of my closest closest friends to have a parent who died so like we didn't know what we would all need and so and that that really shook me like that that was part of the grief for me is feeling a little bit of betrayal here but that's all I want to say about that because it's because we are working it out well and we're doing fine but last September It was hard, and it was just like it just kept getting harder and kept getting harder. And then I had a friend who disrespected me, and in a very deep way. Um, and I had my best friend, and I've talked about that on the show. That I had my best friend who I was like, I need help. Like I don't know what to do because we had this little foursome in our bubble, and it was me and Ethan and two of our friends, and one of the two friends disrespected me. Ethan didn't show up in a way that I felt he that was needed for me for my partner. And then I took go to this last person in my bubble and I'm like, I'm struggling. I need you to just stand by me. Basically, I was mad at the other friend and I was like, I need you to pick me for a little bit. You've been my best friend since college. I need you to pick me. And he's like, I can't pick. I won't pick. And then the two friends. I found out they go to Palm Springs together and I was just like, I can't do it. I cannot, like my world is crumbling in on me. And so I cut those two friends out and like, it was just like slowly, slowly like, and it was just like, did I make the right decision? Am I being the drama queen? My dad died and this and that. And now I'm just being a drama queen and cutting all my friends out. And then I lost my job. (laughs) I got fired. (sighs) Like all that happened from September to November. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. And in the midst of that, I was sort of finding my foot, following my foot through into um, improv with you guys. And it was just like, I was presented with so many things that I was just, it was like, you have to deal with this. Like, it wasn't just like the mundane that I know that you feel too, of like, just continuing to be like, what's going on? It was like things that I had to figure out. And I was, it was sink or swim. And I swam. Mm -hmm. And so now on the other side, all of that was the catalyst for me to be like, enough's enough. I'm going to dress how I want to dress. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to pick up a new hobby. I'm going to read what I want to read. I'm going to cut out people that are just annoying like or whatever. If it's like we're not meshing and we always have friction, you got to go. You can go. You're dismissed. You can dismiss Mm -hmm. me too because I may be friction for you because it's not all about me. There's friction here. So let's just end this. And I got very decisive Mm -hmm. about my life because of all that. And I'm just like, is that what it takes? Like, it can't be, that can't be the only solution. Lose a parent and then wake up. There's got to be a way for us all to wake up and just have the confidence to do that. And even within that confidence, I'm still like figuring it out. I'm just no longer hesitant anymore to figure it out. And it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily being figure outable any quicker it's just i don't spend any time hesitating anymore and and so yeah i just i wonder like can you do it without <laughs> without one of your parents dying or or your <laughs> sister or somebody close to you you know losing that person that just sends this catalyst of domino effect throughout your life
1: Well, you know what's funny? Because as you're saying that, it's like, I think I've had micro situations of that throughout, Mm -hmm. especially like my 20s, you know, and and one thing I was mentioning before, you know, like my insecurities, like I've most likely been suffering or dealing with depression since I was nine years old, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm in my mid thirties and it went not even undiagnosed. It just went untreated until my mid twenties. And I think unfortunately, because of that, like one of my big things is like I pushed through that for so long that now, and now that I've, I've gotten to a place where my depression really hasn't, you know, knock on what hasn't come back, I don't feel like that same combativeness internally, but at the same time, I feel like without that depression, I'm having to rediscover myself. Mm-hmm. But I got to the point, like, when actually what happened was, like, one of the big things that happened recently was over the summer, I, my parents, like, within a, uh, two or three weeks of each other, both had like separate um, procedures that they needed to have taken care of. That the doctors were like, we really shouldn't try and wait till like after COVID or whatever. And, you know, I went to get tested, make sure that I was negative. I went down to stay with if you're one of my parents and then went back, you know, came back home and then went back down for the next parent. And while I was down there on the second ter- time, I fainted. Like out of nowhere, freaked me out. The only other time I've ever fainted, I was 17 and I gave blood and it was because I'd been like over six hours since I had eaten because like they were so backed up at school and I bleed really quickly. Like I learned after that, like I, whenever I donate blood, I'm like, you cannot walk away. This thing will balloon. So I think it was like too much blood too quickly on an empty stomach. (laughs) So that was understandable of why I fainted. But like, here I am back in August where... I fainted. Like, out of nowhere, I was, like, making coffee. I was actually on FaceTime with my sister. My dad's – like, we're in the kitchen. My dad's sitting at the table. My mom's in there too. And all of a sudden, like, my, you know, my vision starts going and I take off my glasses to try and, like, rub my eyes. And the next thing I know, I wake up and I'm on the floor. Oh, wow. Freaked me out. Yeah, like, it really – I was, like – what the hell? <laughs> like, why, you know, the, you know, we had the paramedics come, my blood pressure, my, excuse me, my blood pressure was terrible. It was like 50 over 60, which is like Whoa, not good. That's like yeah, not like flowing. It, yeah, like it <laughs> dropped um, like immensely and like we couldn't figure, like there was nothing that was really explaining why it happened and you know, after a few minutes and then they retook, they redid it and it started to go back up because I've always also always been textbook so that was I'm like, that's really wrong. Mm-hmm. And, after that, like, I realized it was like, you know, it almost felt like my depression kind of got, like, expelled at that moment. It was, like, a really weird feeling because I was starting to feel depressed again for the last couple of weeks, and, you know, I – during – 2020, oddly enough, I, I only had so many downtimes in comparison to a lot of my friends who've never suffered from depression. They were really having terrible episodes. Yeah. And I noticed that I wasn't suffering as much because I'm already used to being alone all the time, mm-hmm. but it was starting to like build back up again. And then when this happened, it just felt like I like it fully released. So since then, it's like, I, I feel a lot different but still, I have all these like lingering hiccups that are, like are stopping me from doing things. Mm-hmm. So again, like in certain ways, I'm like, all right, let's just go and do this. Like, no time like the present. But we talked since I you know was last on the podcast, I was like, oh, I should start my own podcast haven't done it yet. (laughs) It takes time. It takes time. (laughs) (laughs) But but like, it's like the weird thing where it's like, I I have this understanding of like, just do like no time like the present because I understand it's like, you know, unfortunately in my friend groups, I've, I know a lot of people who have lost parents, you know, and Mm -hmm. I've lost grandparents and it's never an easy thing. And, and again, I have that mindset. It's like, I don't want to wait for it to be like that for me to wake up but i logically get that but there's an emotional thing that i still have yet to pe- push through mm-hmm. and that's the thing where like i don't necessarily get what's going on and i don't mean that in like a in a negative way it's you know there's a part in that's like well Maybe I don't need to get it. I just need to keep pushing forward. Yeah. So here little micro things happen. Like I said, it's like I've had micro situations in my 20s where my depression got really bad and I had to do something about it. Like I finally went to, you know, get li- get a life coach and then go into therapy. And then eventually, like I, you know, I moved out of the city almost four years ago. And that was a huge thing for me because I realized. I can survive in New York City, but I don't thrive here. Like millions of people want to live here.
0: That's yeah, why I'm in Los Angeles. That's why I'm not even yeah. in Los Angeles. I'm in a suburb of Los Angeles. I'm basically <laughs> living in the Queens of Los Angeles in Burbank, mm. where all the studios are, but it's very suburban. I live near houses. I don't live, you know, in Hollywood. I like I am in a quiet little cam, you know, hamlet of los angeles where i can thrive i can be in proximity i got a church in hollywood i'm gonna go to improv eventually when the covid's over in hollywood i will go in there but i've got my little nest here and that's and that was why because i realized that i don't thrive in new york city some people do and you know it took me a while to be like good for you i'm going somewhere else and, and mm-hmm. it's hard because New Yorkers, they're proud. Yeah. They're like, this is it. And I'm like, it's really not. There's Seattle, Chicago, Austin, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. There's lots yeah. of cities. You can go other places, <laughs> New Yorkers. It's fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and then like and just imagine, like, I grew up there. So it's like, and all my family's there. So the whole idea, it's like, not only did I move out of New York City, but I moved to the country. Mm-hmm. You know, like, granted, I'm not, like, rural, like, really far out there. I'm still on, like, a, a small enough town that's near certain like cities as you mm. want to call it
0: well and where you <laughs> but, are is it looks like like sam will show me sam's our improv instructor and like i know where you live now basically because sam has showed me videos and i've seen pictures of y'all and everything <laughs> and i'm like that looks like where i grew up that's bug tussle <laughs> bug tussle north
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and but so like and that thing it's like my sisters didn't understand it they're like how can you not live in a city and i'm like Well, first of all, it's not that I would never move to any other cities. The only other cities I never, like, there's two places in this country I definitely will never move to that I've been to is Boston and Miami. No offense to anyone from there listening. Congratulations. I just, it's, those are not places I cared for. Mm -hmm. But I love Chicago. I loved LA the few times I've been out there, you know. You'll be
0: back because you got a friend here now.
1: Oh, heck yeah, I will be. Like, cannot wait. But, you know, so it's like, but I think that move of, like, that understanding that, this isn't where I belong. Why am I forcing myself to live there? And it was about a decade I was home between Mm
0: -hmm. college
1: and moving out where, you know, I was, I would say this all the time, but I was never listening to myself where it's like, I feel like I'm a square peg going into a round hole, you know, where I, you know, reverse that, you know, a round peg going into a square hole. But like, Mm -hmm. it was the whole idea that I'm trying to force myself to work in something that doesn't work for me. And I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to come to understanding. And, and again, like I, and another thing I was thinking about, is was like, there's millions of people in this world that would die to live in New York. And here yeah. I am miserable. Why am I not leaving to give them this opportunity? Like I'm right. taking away someone's opportunity to force myself to try and get what they want. Like that's unfair. You know? So I think that was like one of those big turning points where it helped me become a little bit more independent, try and make my own life. But it's like what I keep facing is I do these things and then it starts again. I'm not necessarily start again, but a new challenge comes up. Yeah. And I'm just like and and I think again it's not that I'm blindsided, but I think there is some sort of blindsided feel of that's like, "Oh, come on. I just tried something new. Why is it happening again? Like why does this right. keep happening?" And it's not to play victim or anything, but it's I think it just it keeps surprising me
0: i feel like too covid puts a mesh over that like it lays this little veil of you know ne- like in this time you just never know what's gonna come up because ethan mm. is an esthetician and he may he does make the bulk of our money right now like we are we i've worked really hard to put him through not put him through but so that he could have opportunities to build his success and in, in that and now it's like it's a flip-flop and so that's what our life is is designed around. I work a little bit of a day job. He works a lot of a day job and I spend a lot of time doing performance, podcast, improv. Um I'm producing a documentary, I'm writing a script. Like there's I'm getting the opportunity to do these things. But he being in COVID, he touches faces all the time and so five times because of COVID, his work has been shut down. And it's just been sort of, like you said, like a blind side, like it's always something. Can we just like, because when it was shut down for a long time, he was getting unemployment and that was okay. And like in the early days, it was like, give them all the money, unemployment, they can't work, give it all. So we were doing okay. But then they stopped the extra supplement and it was like, now we got to be figuring out how to pay our bills. And it's, it's always something. And that's what we've been talking about is like, it, I guess it is always going to be something. So you got to figure out. What is the through line that you can just keep doing no matter what comes? And for me, it's been this podcast of just like, because like last week, Ethan and I, 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 I always say it's Thursday. We got to go on. It's Thursday. So last week I had nothing. And me and Ethan just went on to a BuzzFeed article and it was like, these are your favorite things. And I was like, what's your favorite color? And what's your favorite color? And then we would go into like detail about what our favorite color was. I'm like, this is not a good episode, but whatever. It's, you know, it is my through line. I've got to keep going. I've got to hang on. Like this is the last raft off the Titanic. I got to do it. And then some days I do have this burst of like inspiration and it's Monday and this podcast has to come out on Thursday and we're talking about a very interesting conversation. So it's just, you know, (laughs) I've found that I have to, I have to just hold on and and let the work come. But man, it's, it's rough. It's, it's rough to, and I, I will say this too. Not only do we have trouble maintaining our identity through all of the stuff that comes our way, there's so much pressure for you to, editorialize exactly who you are for this world. And if you have anything mm-hmm. that's off, like, like I see your umbrella in the corner right there doesn't match up with my vision of you. Like, you know, it's like, you have to have everything <laughs> in part, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, yeah. but so you have to, and and that's what we were talking to. Sorry. I'm going to just keep rambling, but we were talking to yeah. um, earlier. We were watching the morning chat show as I am wont to do. Um, and they were talking about hash about Instagram filters, and I'm just, and I'm like, everything is filtered. Everything is this. And we're like, we're not using filters anymore because we want to be authentic, but we still got to f- stage everything. And it's like, it is mm-hmm. exhausting, but you have to decide what you want to do and what you just want to let go. And, and I had the pressure of being like a well, performer I'm- who was like, I've got to do it all. I've got to do it all. And I'm like, do I, though? I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and it's funny because, you know, when last time I, I was on, you were like, oh, do you have like, you know, any Instagram? Like, do you want to promote for yourself? And mm-hmm. I mentioned that I'm like, I do have an Instagram account. I do have a Facebook account, you know, and I do actually have a Twitter account, which I never <laughs> I thought, thought I would Twitter go too. on to Twitter. But when, <laughs> yeah, well, and I was like so anti Twitter forever because I just like didn't understand it. But, you know, that was me also aging myself weirdly. But I, I got it because when COVID hit, like I, um I was laid off of, in January. So here I was already out of work and now everyone else in the world is out of work. And I was already like living inside my, my bedroom. And I felt like I was like, you know, Jimmy Stewart in rear window. I was like, what's going on outside? Yeah. I hear yeah. something. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I just, I need to connect. And so I did go back onto Instagram, Facebook, Twitter more just to like discover what that's about. But after a few months, obviously, and then a lot kept happening in the world. I started feeling so uncomfortable trying to share things because it felt like everything you're saying, like I needed to be perfect. I wanted to curate this version of myself. And, and also as someone who, you know, I've shared a lot in this podcast, for some reason, the idea of sharing how I feel on those platforms is beyond debilitating. Like mm-hmm. it just, I freeze up and there'd be times where I want to say something and I couldn't. I would write it. I'd delete it. I'd write another post. I'd delete it. Whether you know it was to be political or to stand up for something or to share something like, you know, about myself. And because I think a lot of people that have known me throughout the years might not have known that I was depressed. You know, mm-hmm. I realized the other day it was like, I lost a lot of friends because I never shared with them what was really going on inside. Because right. I didn't. I because didn't you know- do
0: tap out sometimes, and you don't hear from each other for weeks, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, Beth never calls, and it's like. Because she's just doing her thing, and that's fine.
1: Yeah. Or, or like, all of a sudden, like, I'm not the most giving person because... I can't anymore. Like it got to the point where it's like, I, again, part of my identity was just being that caregiver for everyone else. Cause it was so much easier to take care of other people. Besides the fact that it was like kind of how I coped with things growing up that I would take care of everybody else. But it got to mm-hmm. points where it would like be like a rubber band where it would like sling back. And I was like, I need to take care of yeah. myself or I need to be alone. And, and I, so it's like, it's, it's so hard. And I think weirdly enough, Social media just adds so much more to that for everything that you're saying of, like, needing to curate and be so perfect. And as a performer, it's like, I even worry about, like, oh, I don't want to misrepresent myself so people don't get it or, like, have to, like, oh, further that, explain. That's a big and one I, for
0: Ethan. He's like, I won't say anything because he's building a brand for himself. And mm-hmm. he's like, what if in 10 years they come and find out that I didn't go to a Black Lives Matter march? And I'm like, you've got to calm down. It's not... Like, yeah. you gotta do what you can, you know? And, but that it's real. It's yeah. real because we see cancel culture now, too.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's why I got off social media. Well, no, no, but no, but it's like that makes my point of like why I had to like take myself mm-hmm. off of social media again. Because one, I also felt like you know, and this is what happened a few years ago when I initially went off social media. That I felt like I'm liking everyone's post, like posts or whatever, but I don't really talk to anyone. I felt like this isn't a yeah. real friendship, and I and I noticed like, I again, I I messed up a couple of friendships, and I understand, and I'm totally okay with that. But I realize it's like I don't have anyone in person anymore, and it's like looking at this screen just kind of highlights that. Plus, then adding all the pressure, then that that comes in of like well, I don't want to upset the wrong person and, oh, this person's really my, like, they're my friend and I don't want to, like, respond back to their post that's offending me. And it's like, what the hell? If this was in person, I'd probably have been, like, say something witty to, like, yeah. shut them up. But on on the internet, I'm like, oh, my wit's out the window, you know? Right. And, and, it's, and I think that, like, furthered me, like, kind of feeling like I don't know what my identity is because here I was going on platforms showing things about myself but they didn't feel like they represented me Mm -hmm. you know it was like to the point where like I tried to like get myself every day to post when I was working out I would do like kind of like the same little type of picture yeah and for a while, it felt really good. But then after a while, I was like, this is all I'm showing? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't all that I'm about. But I'm sitting watching, you know, like Top Chef for the third time or, you know, doing yeah. another cross stitch for the day. I'm like, these aren't <laughs> things that, like, I want to, like, post. But at the same time, I admire all those people who do it. Like, there's nothing wrong with anyone that does this. Like, I, I – I, everyone makes their decision to each his own and there but i there's something really admirable about the people that just post whether yeah. it's calculated well, to like make this life or like they just post because they want right. to post
0: for me it was like somebody else will just like post a picture of like cheerios this morning here's my cheerios bowl and then get like seventy thousand <laughs> likes and i'm like what you know until so you think you'll do it and i'm like and i'll post something and it's like 27 likes and i'm like how, I've hashtagged all the hashtags. I've done. How come nobody even looks at my stuff? And it's like that's where I had to just reassure myself of like, just keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. Just do what you love, whatever that may mm-hmm. be. Do it and and live out loud, and then see what happens. You just never know because um, something I did this year for New Year's, like I always usually because I have a, a New Year's party, which I would love for you to come out to L.A. and be at our New Year's party next year. I do it every year. Uh, And I always usually make New Year's resolutions, and I'm pretty good at sticking to my New Year's resolutions. Like, I I am – I've perfected the the art of, like, trying to be better this year than last year, and I think I've done it. But this year, I just didn't make any New Year's resolutions, didn't do anything, but I did set an intention for myself. And – I'm pretty much always a glass half full kind of person. Like I, I'm always like, like the new year's parties. I'm like, no negative people. If I find that you're negative, you Mm -hmm. will leave. Like I have (laughs) asked people to leave my (laughs) new year's party. I'm like, you need to go. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because you're being negative. And the whole point of this party is for everybody here to be positive, to start this year in a positive space. So you need to leave before midnight, please leave and i've done that and that's that's you that's kind of how i am but this year i just went against brand all over the place and i was and ethan was like what are you feeling and i'm like i'm pissed i'm just pissed like i'm pissed like not even at people just pissed because of things that happened like I'm pissed that my dad died and I'm pissed that my partner did not Mm. like and and uh, this is unfair but I'm like I'm pissed that I didn't get exactly what I needed from the person I share my life with right when I needed it when my father died I'm pissed that my friends did not have the forethought to Mm. to just be there for me you don't get it my dad's dead and like you weren't there for me and then I'm like why and then my boss just I made mistakes at my job because of the the domino falling and my boss saw fit to fire me. And I'm like, I'm pissed about that. Do you think that's what's right? And I'm like, I'm going to go into this year pissed off as hell. And I'm going to turn that into, and I, I said, I'm turning my pissed into productivity, positivity, and persistence. And that's kind of where, that's what I've been doing this year. And so, and, and it's, it's been very jarring for Ethan. Cause like, he'll say something and I'm like, okay, here's mm-hmm. an opportunity this has bothered me for 11 years. I have never told you, and I'm telling you now, this bothers me. (laughs) he's like, whoa. And I'm like, sorry, I'm living mine. It's my turn. (laughs) Like, And I'm telling that to the world. I'm like, it's my turn. It's my turn. And I've said that for years, Mm -hmm. but I've never meant it more than now.
1: Oh, I love that. And, you know, I have aspects of it. You know, and like I said, like there's things like I hold myself back on, but I don't want it to seem like I don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, it's, you know, cause I, it, cause I, it does sound a little weird. Maybe some of the things that I say could be very, not hypocritical, but kind of like oxymoronic. It's like yeah. you're saying that, you know, it's like you're an improviser and you follow your foot and you do all this stuff. But yet I'm sitting at home most days thinking like, what do I do, <laughs> you know? But, mm-hmm. you know, like with that, like I think it's like very similar. It's like one of the things that I've tried to do for myself this year more than ever is – when I feel something I feel it you know Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna like be like oh my god I'm being so indecisive I laugh at it I'd be like oh here I go again you know rather you know, and like trying to find the funny and I think like also with conversations with people trying to remind myself like well who who was I before I got really dark who was that girl that would go call people or write letters because that's another thing like I realized it's like I have all this intention to like send someone a card but I don't send it Mm -hmm. and so it's like I've slowly been like okay so the other week I went to this store. We have this really cool stationery store in town. Oh, Walked over. I got, you know, and so I got some really cute cards. Haven't written them yet, but I have them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I'm trying to remind myself I need to celebrate the fact that I've started it. Yeah. And eventually like I'm going to push myself to do the next thing cuz like certain things are really easy for me to try to push myself to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to try and make pita bread over the weekend. Kind of came out more a little bit like Pillsbury biscuits. Uh They still taste good, but they're definitely not pita. But I'm like, okay, I'll try again this weekend, you know. But at the same time, I bought these fairy lights with these little clips to like. I printed out a bunch of photos like two years ago from like my travels, and I was like, I need to do something with this. Why do they just live on Facebook? Mm -hmm. But I have the fairy lights plugged in have not put them on the wall yet. You know, like they come (laughs) a little clips, but I bought like the tape to help me like plan it out. And I'm like, instead of like telling myself, Oh, Beth, just do it. I'm like, it's okay. You're taking it step by Mm -hmm. step. You're going to learn. Cause I feel like by the end of the year, I'd like to be that person where that like delay is less, you know, like I'll, I'll think of it and I'll do it.
0: I will say, and I don't know if this gives you any comfort, but I, I do. I, I guess I'm an empath. I feel a lot of what everybody else is feeling. And so mm-hmm. I like I'll see on Facebook people will make can't make jokes about like oh I'll never do what I say you know like I'll do it and I'll, I'm just never gonna get to it like and like I saw somebody posted the other day that said I did a task that I've been putting off for six months it took me fifteen minutes and I will learn nothing from this and I'm just like that's kind of sad <laughs> right? I'd rather see like yeah. just acknowledging that I'm a I'm kind of a lazy person or whatever you know I'm like. You're aware, so what are you doing? I would rather see you like it. Just gave me all the feels when you were like, "I'm cheering myself on. I've got the fairy lights. This is a project I want to do. I'm almost there. I'll figure it out." Like that kind of cheering yourself on gave me so much good feeling that I love that. I and I, I realize, and every day when I have these conversations, I'm like, "That's that's it." Like I like I love that sort of mine and your friendship so far has been developed here on my podcast I love that because I'm I hope people can feel that we are getting closer friends because I'm like just now I was like Beth, that's somebody who I'm gonna keep developing. I want to develop that friendship in my life with her because she gets it she like, I can see, because already in improv scenes, you and I have a shorthand. We, we're we good in scenes together. So, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that does translate in life. Like, she's saying things mm-hmm. that I get. And I I feel like I'm probably saying things that you get. And you're like, huh. Oh. So I hope everybody mm-hmm. listening is like, oh, a new friendship. Yay.
1: Yay! Oh, it's like our own little Hallmark movie, but a friendship and not romance. Right. <laughs>
0: Sorry.
1: Just to plug again, the fact that I've still right. been watching Hallmark movies Listen, since Christmas. I love it.
0: I um, I'll tell people a little bit about my day job. I work at a vaccination site here in Los Angeles, and I met the nicest lady, and she was so pretty. She was so good, and like she did not look like she was old enough to have her vaccine because right now it's only sixty-five and older. Turns out she is but then she we were she was asking me about me cuz she's like you've got such a good personality cuz i'm just out in the, in a parking lot and i'm just dancing and singing and having a good time talking to all the people mm-hmm. in the cars while they're pissed off waiting for their vaccines <laughs> And she was like, you've got a great personality. And she started asking about me and everything. And I told her I'm an improv actor, this and that, and yada, yada. She goes, well, I'm an actress too. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, you um, you might have seen some of the stuff I've done. I was like, what have you done? She goes, I've been in every Hallmark movie in the last 10 years. And I was like, what? And, I was, and she kind of was like, she started telling me all of her IMDb. And I was like, yep, watch that one over Christmas. Yep. She goes, I'm, she's like, I'm everybody's mother in every Hallmark movie ever. Um I res- I have a mad respect for the fact that you watch all the Hallmark shows and I love it enough to make friends with the people because they're out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, but it's funny, like, the one thing I'm doing with the whole thing with the with Hallmark movies is just telling myself, it's okay to tell people. It. And now it's, like, actually like, a fun fact. I let everyone know. It's like, well, fun fact, I'm still watching Hallmark movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, like, the most ridiculous thing, but it feels like a good starting point for me to, like, share with like, things for myself. And it's, like, I'm not embarrassed by the fact that I'm really liking these movies. And it's wonderful because it's only five minutes left, so I know the kiss is gonna happen. Perfect.
0: Right. Well, and two, they, they- They always do just wrap it up in a little bow and give you what you want. And that's really what is fun in life. And I always like, and that's something I've talked about with my therapist is she's like, you always need it wrapped up with a little bow. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't get that. And like, it's interesting because like since my dad died, there are a lot of things that have been wrapped up with a little bow. And I'm like, it's like a Hallmark movie for me. Mm -hmm. I do it. Like over Christmas, uh my dad's cousin died of COVID and it was he's got two daughters and it was interesting to from September to December um I started having conversations with them. I just needed to reach out to say I love you and I'm so sorry like this sucks. Our family's dying. And just the things that I had felt compelled to say to them, they said that they were that it helped so much and they were like you really helped bring that into perspective. And I was like, Oh, I didn't realize I'd gotten stronger. Like I was still in the space Mm -hmm. of my dad died and yada, yada. And now someone else's dad has died. And I was like, I was able to help them. And I'm like, that feels good to pay it forward. And it feels good to like, I, before I could even blink, I'm like, Oh, I'm the strong one. I'm the one who's been Mm -hmm. through hell and I'm strong because of it. And it didn't, you know, I didn't have that moment where I decided it for myself. It just, I saw a need and I felt that vacuum there.
1: Oh, and that and that's just like the most beautiful thing to hear, because I think, again, like as someone who's gone through depression, you know, I now notice it with, and like I mentioned, you know, i've I had people over the last year that were admitting like, oh my God, I'm really not doing well. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you need? And yeah. I'll like randomly try and text them, and I, and I know that how it could feel, like you don't want it to seem like a handout or pity or anything yeah. like that. So it's like I am being very conscious, like with the way that I have the conversations not for anything negative, but more of like, oh my God, I can actually help someone because I know what they're feeling, Mm -hmm. you know? And it reminded me, I was like, okay, maybe I am in a better place than I've been before, you know, where it's like, I'm not getting sucked in or worried about something that someone needs help. I'm going to help them. Where like two years ago, I would have been like, oh, I suck. I can't do anything to help them. Mm -hmm. You know, like this sucks and like walk away. and. I know it's like weird but like I started listening to um Whitney Houston's I Didn't Know My Own Strength.
0: Have we and talked about this at all? I don't
1: think we have. I don't I, think we
0: have. Okay, so the girls, my cousins whose dad died, I <laughs> sent that song to them 2 days ago because that's my song. That's my it's, song.
1: Oh, that's oh my god. Like I listened it's <laughs> so awesome. Between okay, so between that and then step by step from her also because uh-huh. I had a couple I had some things that happened about a month or so ago that kind of like could have thrown me back into my depression. I was like, no, no, no. Remember, mm-hmm. like, I'm stronger than I think I am. It's like, And, like, I would listen to, like, I'm, there's this um, trail around me called Poet's Walk. And I went for a walk over there. And that song came on. I didn't know my own strength. And no one else is on the walk. And I just, like, started crying. And I'm, like, oh, singing yeah. it out loud. And it just it, like, felt so great. And then Step by Step came on. And I was like, remember, just take it step by step, you know, mm-hmm. day by day. And it's just, like, it's so empowering because it's, like, we don't realize how strong we are until we are, like, our strength's being called on. And, yeah. like, in a situation that you're talking about, like, you didn't even realize your own strength until you, someone needed it and you were mm-hmm. there for them. and And it's the same thing, like, those are the times. And I think that's like when it's wrapped up in a bow, it's like when you're yeah. able to be present enough to realize and see it for yourself, but more than anything, when others see it and you hear right. them telling you, cause I know, I think for a lot of people, someone can tell them, oh, you're doing great, but they don't hear them. They don't hear someone telling them that yeah. they just like throw it away. And it's like, no, 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 really listen to it. We are like, we are stronger. We are, yeah. we have changed, you know? And Oh, I love that you just send them that song. Oh, that makes, I know. Me, I that makes like, my heart just I, like That
0: song has popped up in my life, probably like you too, at times when you need it. And then like mm-hmm. the other day, I just got little, you know, I was thinking about dad again and I got really sad. And then that song popped up in my queue and I was like, all right, universe, I hear you. I, I get it. Stay on the path. Like it sometimes uh, doesn't make sense, but just stay at it.
1: Yeah. You just have to like have faith and believe. And it's interesting. Like I never really felt that like, I'm not necessarily religious, but I'm definitely spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the last few months have like almost fortified my spiritual beliefs and everything that you just said. It's like, I've always said that I believe everything happens for a reason. And so when things were kind of hitting the fan about a month or so ago for me, I was like, you know what? You don't need to freak out. It's happening for a reason. Mm -hmm. I have to believe, you know? And then again, like then Whitney comes on and I'm like, okay, I'm lost. I'm just going to start crying right now. I'm driving, but let's remember I'm driving. (laughs) You know, like if it's playing, I'm like, you know, and and like, and it's also interesting, like I like gravitate, I was in gospel choir in high school and I still have the CDs from the songs that we did. And like something was like, I just need to listen to this right now. Yeah. And again, I'm not religious in that, but like listening to that music and listening to the message that so many mm-hmm. wonderful gospel songs have, it just, it fortified me. I was like, I can do this. Well, it's like, remember, like I can keep going on.
0: And even as sort of, I I, I hesitate to say a religious person, but I do have a religion i'm a christian i go to church but i'm very secular and that is the most important part of the whole thing for me is the music like the music Mm -hmm. is the most is like the structure comes in the church but the music brings the spirituality for me like that's it so you know and and it's not just and i say i tell people i'm like well i'm I, i do go to church but my i get just as much spirituality from other things like a Whitney Houston song or a good podcast conversation mm-hmm. where you realize you both love the same Whitney Houston song <laughs> that's a God moment you know and I'm like oh ah! so yeah so yeah it it really is deeply moving to to have the music and that's yeah I think that we all need more music yeah. but um yeah go ahead a hundred percent
1: no no i was going to say like i it's so true it's like and that's always something like throughout my whole life again like when i think about things that have like carried me through it's music and well what plays on the television not just tv it could be movies and i think there's so much about being able to either see situations played out that like help bring me comfort or listening to music and like hearing a voice that's like that just, that's not human. Like that voice is so perfect that of course I have to believe that like there's something stronger out there that's with us, mm-hmm. you know, or, or whatever it might be. Something like, that again, connects even us all. A hundred, yeah. And the arts, and to me, the arts have always been that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think like whenever I'm down, even though sometimes if I'm upset, I'll listen to more sad songs. Like for a while it used to be one of Adele's albums, you know, <laughs> but you know, it's like now I'm like, okay, if I notice that I'm starting to feel a little down or bored, I'm like, put on music and just start dancing around the apartment mm-hmm. you know and I just feel so much better you know and and there's so much uplifting no matter what the messages of the song but just like drowning out and just letting the beat take over or you know again watching a really good movie that if you need to cry it's like well let me put on you know Breakfast at Tiffany, so I can cry at the end when she throws Cat out and yeah. like, ugh, every time but like it's a great release and I agree that it's like it's something that can bind everyone but also just remind everyone that there's so much more going on.
0: It's still Magnolias. You put on still Magnolias. Oh well, I can't watch that movie. Mm. You get through it, and then you get to the graveyard scene, and you can jog all the way to Texas and back.
1: <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I was thinking about that movie the other day because I was like, there's one movie I could never watch, and it's that movie because. There's just too. I don't drink enough water. There's certain things It's like That's I can't true. watch certain things because I can't. Like I can't cry like that. Finding Neverland was like a movie that I watched for like a week straight, and then mm-hmm. after it was like I have to stop. Like I cannot keep crying about the ending, you know. Well, <laughs> and Steel Magnolias is like. oh. Ethan hmm. Love refuses. That movie, but yeah.
0: Ethan mm-hmm. he will because of a because a Southern gay has to know every line ever written for Still Magnolias, or else they'll take away your card of membership. <laughs> Ethan is limits himself and as to how much he'll watch that movie with me, but then he refuses to watch a Grey's Anatomy season finale with me because someone's going to die and I'm gonna cry just as hard as I did when my father died. Like it's, it's very awkward for everyone around me. They're like, and I'm like, it's the season finale. Just leave me alone. I gotta cry. Like when I'm spoiler alert. If you don't want, if you want to watch Grey's Anatomy and you haven't yet, turn it off right now. You've got your time. When um, Patrick Dempsey died on the show, <laughs> like, that was the worst. That was it. Like, I was like, ugh, hollowed. So, yeah, you got to do what You got to find what you can release it with. <laughs> well, we are at an hour and ten. Yeah, what, well, we, like, I releases
1: was, and doesn't, like, bring back in.
0: Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we're at an hour and ten, and I, and I usually hold it under a ten, an hour, but I'm just like, I could I could go two more hours of this conversation, so we'll have to continue <laughs> it again some other time. Um, but yeah, so as far as like what are you I will say a quick note we I asked it, and I don't know if I remember if you answered it or not, but like as far as like continuing to find your identity, is there any like things like the like a list a listicle of five things that you're doing specifically to find that?
1: I don't know if it's necessarily five things but or like necessarily a list, I think it's just trying to do something. Every day, no matter how small it is. Yeah. Again, like, you know, I, I plugged in the fairy lights. I then went yeah. and bought tape so I can like do something. And it's like trying to remind myself every day I need to do something different, even mm-hmm. if it's like a, something as simple as like doing laundry, which I do that regularly. But there are some times where you're delaying a day or two, and I'm like, no, 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 you yeah. have to do something. You get and one I think day, maybe. Like but res-
0: don't, don't, don't do two. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's it's like trying to push myself because you know I am unemployed right now still. So it's like I can so easily get lost in the laziness, which mm-hmm. like only perpetuates the feeling of being lost in general. Yeah. So it's like okay today you're going to do this and today you're going to do that and, you know, and just little things and eventually, I hopefully if I do enough little things, I'll be strong enough to do the things that are bigger that are holding me back, mm-hmm. which is, again, something like weird. It's like, I know I should be journaling more. Haven't started yet, but I believe that's like if i can do all these other simple things like that example you gave of the person's like i held off for 6 months and it only you know to do this and it took me 15 minutes and i'm learning nothing now i'm trying to remind myself i'm delaying this and it only took me 10 minutes just do it next time right away right, exactly. <laughs> you know? and i'm like, like so like the next cheering. time i'm faced with it i'm like go so yeah.
0: what's the next move for you
1: well, I think I do need to put up those fairy lights now that I've said this I like want, a million times. I, <laughs> will, I want
0: pictures or else, you know, pic- yes. what is it we used to say in college? Pics or it didn't happen or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there's no photo evidence, it never happened. <laughs> 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 yes. I'll hopefully by the end of today or if anything, definitely tomorrow. Yeah. I need to do it. I just, need, I, it's like, that's like one thing that's been weighing on me because I feel it's not even just like putting up the lights and the, the is I printed these photos years ago and they're all from my travels from when I studied abroad and a few trips I took after. And I'm like, I need to... Look at those every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to remember like what that exhilaration was, and so like I need to do that for, and like that's why I want to do it so badly for myself because no one else is ever going to see it. Obviously, you are as proof
0: I did it, right? But you know, it's like I need to start doing
1: that. Yes, well, no, hundred percent. Well, that's part of like your friends have to keep you accountable. That's how I see that you
0: have to, and that's important. I think that's something I'm Mm -hmm. learning. The older I get friends that will keep you accountable and not just accountable, but friends that have the same sort of drive to continue life. Not really the same. Like if you're an actor hanging out with only actors, that's not a thing. But like people who I don't I don't want to be around people who are like, I'm done. I'm I'm where I want to be with my career. I've got what I want with my life and I'm going to sit still and not learn anything else that that doesn't serve you doesn't serve me. So we're not going to be friends. So I, that's very real yeah. for me, just accountability. Yeah. So, well, all right. Yeah. Well.
1: Yeah. So that will be hopefully my, my first thing. Yes.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. And of course you're going to come back on the show because this is, this is a new, like I tap the wells dry with all my friends. Like, so I'll be tapping this well until it runs dry for this podcast. And then we'll just go back <laughs> to being regular friends and improv Partners, so (laughs) works for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Well, thank you for being on the show today. And everybody stay safe, wear your masks, get your COVID vaccination if you're eligible, and continue to socially distance and follow CDC guidelines and have faith that it is gonna get better in 2021.